Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Season 3, Episode 56, Greg in Studio, joined by Justin Paul JP from New York. Justin, how are we doing today, my man? Unbelievable. What a time to be in the sports world. We got playoff action everywhere. Unbelievable. We'll get into it, like I said. Uh, in terms of being in New York here, unbelievable weather. Golf game, keep grinding that down, staying out there in the in the hot, hot New York days here. But uh, yeah, uh, just getting in the gym, obviously, uh, still training uh, into that offseason stuff's begun. Uh, in the classroom here, we're kind of approaching finals week in the next two weeks. So workouts, classes, and, and golf uh, in no particular order there for my favorites, but it is what it is. So how, how you been doing? I've been good, man. The student lifestyle, man, I miss it. I miss it. it uh, it's fantastic. But uh, no, things are well, man. The weather's turning. The golf courses are open. i uh, got a few rounds this weekend, but so I'm, I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm excited about it. Uh, but before we get into the pre before we get into the pregame show, i uh, got to give our, our friends at Manscaped a shout-out. So, guys, go over to Manscaped.com. Check out the plethora of products that they have. The Lawnmower 4.0, the Weed Whacker 2.0. They now have a Weed Whacker targeted to you women. So, the five females that listen to the podcast, make sure you head over to Manscaped.com. Check out all the products over there. Use the code TDI uh, for 20% off free shipping, guys. Manscaped. They're phenomenal. They've got uh, just a great catalog beyond razors as well. So uh, make sure you go check out manscaped.com and use the code TDI. Uh, Justin, yeah, life's been good. I mean, like you said, I mean, the playoffs in the NBA and NHL have just been absolutely, it's it's such a great viewer uh, viewing experience. Uh, I don't really understand the NBA schedule. We'll get into that uh, when we get into the NBA. But obviously, the NHL is very easy to follow. You got four series on uh, Monday, four series on Tuesday, four series on Wednesday, four series on Thursday. So it's just nice to get the day break. Uh, But just some NFL news before we get into it. Uh, There was some breaking news, too, in the NBA, which we'll get into uh, just for us Canadians. But uh, Jalen Hurts signs a five-year, $255 million deal. He's now the highest paid uh, player in the NFL. I know, uh, Justin, you're an Eagles fan. How do you feel about that? I mean, Jalen Hurts really came onto the scene last year. It was dominant. Uh, I know Eagles fans must be happy about this signing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm bring us to the Super Bowl and, and just his growth. I know that there was, it was interesting being an Eagles fan. Um, wasn't thrilled with the draft pick when we took him. I mean, we had the whole Wentz situation going on, but you just weren't sure with him. And man, did he prove you wrong quick? Like even, uh, losing the bucks that, that last playoff run before, uh, this year, you just looked at that roster and Jalen Hurts' progression and you felt great about where we were heading and he showed it this year. Phenomenal record through the regular season. I know we had a lighter schedule, but to go all the way to the Super Bowl and, and the performance they showed, this is a guy that you want to lock up long-term. Um, in terms of the, the length and, and the payment, I mean, he's highest-paid player in NFL history, so not exactly a team-friendly, but these QBs aren't going to be on team-friendlies these days. You know what I mean? Like, we're not going to have many more Tom Brady's uh, with their wife making $600 million, allowing them to take such <laughs> team-friendly contracts. Exactly. But um, 
I don't think this high, highest paid player is going to last long. I know Joe Burrow needs a contract, so we'll see how that goes. But being an Eagles fan, you get your QB locked up, um, and you just you just got to hope that he is he is he is him, which I believe he's him. And we just keep riding Jalen Hurts, and he's going to take us to the promised land. I uh, get that Super Bowl under his belt here. Um, so I'm happy about it. I mean, again, these these contracts are always going to look like this for QBs nowadays. So I'm very happy we got them locked up. Absolutely. When the young guys come up, and, and, and Trevor Lawrence, too, in the next couple of years as well, what's his contract yeah. going to look like? I mean, probably yeah. going to be fairly big as well. So, yeah, it's just the kind of the reality of finding a quarterback. But as an NFL franchise, uh, once you've got your guy... You make sure you keep that guy yeah. because there's a lot of franchises out there that are looking for quarterbacks, and that's pretty much how the NFL goes. You either have a guy or you're looking for a guy. Uh, it's the most important position in sports. Uh, exciting for Eagles fans for sure. Um, but listen, let's get uh, go ahead. Just to pivot off it, I mean, what what is what what's the thought process? Do you think when you see like Jalen Hurts signs this deal? Yeah. Um, I mean, I know Howie Roseman, the GM for the Eagles, paid Wentz, etc. So like, you you know he's willing to pay, but like. For the Ravens, like not even to like get after Lamar or anything here, like Jalen Hurts is a rushing QB too. I mean, I think a lot of the narrative is like the Ravens don't want to pay Lamar, uh, maybe because of injuries, etc. Like they don't want to sign him, guaranteed deal. Except, like Jalen Hurts is just as active as a runner. I mean, in a different way, maybe, but like Ravens don't want to like what? what I just don't understand the the difference here in in, in thought process for the two organizations. You know. Yeah, it's not a good look for uh, for Lamar Jackson. It's a good point you bring that up because um, obviously he is without a contract right now, has not signed back with the Baltimore Ravens. And yeah, I mean, this is a guy that uh, it doesn't sound like any other teams have really, you know, looked like they've had plenty of time to go in and say, listen, Lamar, here's our offer, you know, and uh, he's going to be playing under the franchise check. It sounds like if he doesn't sign that, that, that deal, but... But yeah, I mean, it, I I don't know what's going on with this guy. Uh, it's, it's like I mean, it would be interesting to see what the offers have been. I'm, I'm not sure if those have been publicized, yeah. but uh, yeah, I mean, Lamar. I mean, is he worth more than Jalen Hurts? I mean, I would say he's not. Maybe not worth. You know, I think I would think a little bit less, but still in that forty to fifty million dollars a year and. Doesn't seem like he's getting it, so that's going to be interesting. Obviously, they brought in OBJ, and and uh, we'll see if he uh, if he signs back in Baltimore. But that's a scenario. It's a weird one, man. There's a little, it's going to be awkward, uh, you know, for the uh, oh, for yeah. the remain until he signs for sure. Um, but let's get. We've got a lot to get into this episode, uh, Justin. In quarter one, we're going to talk about the NHL. In quarter two, we're going to talk about the NBA basketball playoffs. Uh, in quarter three, actually, we do have a halftime show. Fill in the blank. Um, and then in uh, quarter three, we'll talk about the MLB, the marathon that goes on right now. And then uh, in quarter four, we'll bring it home in the PGA Tour. But let's get into it, Justin. Before we get into the playoff series, there's been a few questionable hits to start off the playoffs. Uh, and I wanted to hear your takes on it. So uh, Joe Pavelski uh, was taking it wide into the corner and Matt Dumba kind of blindsides him with a gigantic hit. Joe Pavelski yep. out in the concussion protocol. And then Michael Bunting in game one of the Toronto Maple Leafs Tampa Bay Lightning Series. Um <laughs> Really just a, a hard interference hit to the head on Eric Chernak. Uh, what are your thoughts on these hits? Um, obviously, there was discipline of Michael Bunting. He got three games, which we can get into as well. A very stiff penalty for the hit uh, and no uh, no repercussion for the, uh, for the hit on Joel Pavelski. So starting with Pavelski, uh, um, that's a hit that when I first saw it, on first reaction, that hit looked like we might be me seeing a, a major suspension. I, I thought it looked like Dumba definitely went up with the hit, uh, obviously meaning his body towards Pavelski's head. He, he elevated. Um, also looked like he may have left his feet. Upon replays, he didn't leave his feet. Yes, he was coming up, but he was in a very bent-over 
uh, approach backwards skating, which naturally you're building up uh, uh, with power through your legs. So like, I understand that component. It also looked like Pavelski got his shoulder rotated and that contact actually was shoulder on shoulder. For me, I kind of wanted to see the view from the, from behind there. Cause that's where Pavelski's head was, but all the replays show that got him in the shoulder. Um, the, and again, I, I, first off, I hope Joe, Joe Pavelski is going to get healthy. I hope this isn't anything that's too serious long-term. I hope he could come back and he has no issues. That's the first thing first, same with Cernak. But um, just looking at the hit, uh, all things uh, healthy. But Joe Pavelski got rid of that puck. It wasn't that long after, and it almost looked like he just wasn't expecting this hit. But for Dumba... It wasn't a play where he hit a guy defenseless or anything like this. This is a guy that just had the puck. He backhanded on net. I looked at the replay a bunch of times. It wasn't that late. It was just a monster hit that Pavelski wasn't ready for. And again, I'm not sure the hit had to be laid like that, but you're talking about a playoff game. Like nothing's coming free here. Again, hope he's healthy, but I don't think that hit was that dirty, even warranting an interference was closer than most people might think, in my opinion. What, what did you see? Man, I, I totally agree with you. And I think it's just, it's just it, it is the epitome of how much the game changes from the regular season to the playoffs. I mean, you don't see that hit being thrown in the regular season. But a guy like Matt Dumba loves to throw the hits. And a guy like Joe Pavelski, you're probably not expecting that big of a hit. You ha- 82 yep. games of the year, you're not going to see that hit thrown. But you're in the playoffs, you're in a vulnerable position, you, you've got the puck in the corner, and you've got a defenseman who loves to hit, flies over. And like you said, I didn't really see it being that dirty. I know there was maybe a bit of whiplash, and I know, obviously... Yep. The health of Joe Pavelski, we wish him the best. We hope he returns. He's a key component to that Dallas Stars lineup. But, I mean, I think the NHL got it right. I mean, you give him two minutes, probably just due to the optics of it. The refs didn't have an opportunity to check yep. it out. You give him two minutes, and then after the game, there's no supplementary dip, uh, discipline because, really, there wasn't anything wrong with it. It was just a massive hit. Uh, yep. But the Michael Bunting hit, on the other hand, was... Pretty questionable. That's just something that you can't have happen. Uh, Michael Bunting obviously skating by Eric Chernak. Eric Chernak not didn't even have the puck. Uh, kind of clips him up high into the head. Chernak's been out. Um, obviously missed game two. Uh, Bunting served a three-game suspension. I thought it was a greasy hit. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's just a lapse of judgment in a in a frack. That's how fast hockey happens. You're skating by a guy and you decide to kind of throw your shoulder at him. It hits him in the head. He gets blindsided by it. A dumb decision by Michael Bunting, and it's going to cost him three games. So, um, obviously, I, I play the game of hockey. I play the game of hockey at a high level. I've, I've played it my whole life. The, the aspect that I can see being argued in defense of Michael Bunting is what it's popular in hockey called like pre-hit, pre-bump. It's It's been in the game forever. The top players did it. Forsberg was unbelievable at it. He blew guys up doing it. You're going for a puck before you both get there. The guy in front lays the shoulder into the defender coming to him, and you're able to get away with that interference type of play. That is, he's going to hit me. I'm going to engage to him, create some space, and go. So that's what I looked for when I was looking at the replay. Okay, am I looking at a hit where... His, his pre-hit, his pre-bump got him in the head. You got to have a suspension, but why is it three games? Looking at this replay, this puck, first of all, was nowhere near where Bunting and, and they were not going to engage. They were the first ones out from the net front, but they were not getting to that puck. That puck ringed all the way around over the hash mark. Bunting was never in stick length away, was never a pre-bump get to the puck. The second thing I look, look at that makes me just disgusted with it is soon as Bunting laid the hit on him and Cernak went down, whatever 
And this is a big tell. And I, I'm, I play the game. I've done it. We've all done it. When you know you're guilty. Immediately threw his left arm out. Like, what What, what do you call what, What's going on? What, you don't do that if you think you're making a clean play engaging the puck. If you watch the replay, Bunting lays the shoulder in them when they're not going to be get, engaging the puck whatsoever. And you could tell by Cernak, they ain't engaging the puck because he ain't expecting any contact. Gets it to the head. And Bunting gives the gives the look around like, What'd what I did I just do? Yeah. Hey, no one called anything yet, brother. Like, go make your play. You might be getting away with this, and the replay will expose you later. But immediately showed he was guilty. It was to the chin. The puck was not there. That's a dirty play. That's a dirty play. And I think the three-game suspension is looked at maybe a little harsh because we don't see that very often, quite honestly, in the playoffs. We play like that. I'm going to be honest with you. I think three games was warranted because of the damage it done to Cernak. Obviously, he went down with an injury. It being to the head. And again, from what I see, it looked like intent. And it did look like a little bit of intent to hurt because that puck was not in their play, in my opinion. I don't know if you saw the same thing or, or how you viewed it, but I, I think that's the right decision, to be honest with you. Yeah, absolutely. I, I guess it's kind of the new age. Uh, it's just oftentimes you don't see that type of discipline, especially for a guy who yeah. doesn't have a history of getting suspended. It, yeah. it just yeah. was, it was just, a, I think at face value, just a little shocking uh, in, in terms of the three games. But, you know, you can definitely see by, you know, okay, the fact that Chernak's going to miss. Who knows how many games? X amount of games. The hit to the head, obviously, they're trying to take headshots out of the game. And just the fact that it was a complete interference, maybe intent to injure. So, you know, you you compile and you package all of those things together, then three games seems very reasonable. Uh, just, you know, at face value, it might have been a bit shocking. But yeah, two hits, uh, obviously, uh, that uh, were questionable to get going. Um, but let's get into the series here, Justin, because it's been incredible. Um, a lot of tight series, a lot of back and forth. But we'll start things off with the Carolina Hurricanes and, uh, and the New York Islanders. Uh, in game one, the Hurricanes get up to a 2-0 lead. The Islanders score, but in the third period, 2-1 going into the third, the Hurricanes really shut it down. Kind of that, I, I referenced it last episode with the David Ayers type defense. They just really shut things down, really made it uh, yep. you know difficult um, for the uh, for the Islanders to uh, to respond. And then in game two, uh, absolutely back and forth. I mean, we were watching that game, and uh, we've been in the chalkboard app, by the way, folks. So if you're not watching hockey yep. games or in the chalkboard app, make sure you get in there and, and uh, you know give your two cents. Uh, but it was a back and forth game. Uh, yes, for Bra- or yes, for fast ends up ending uh, end of the game in OT. OT. So we've got Carolina up 2-0, uh, heading to New York. Uh, how you feeling about this series? Uh, anything surprised you so far, Justin? So first thing first, uh, 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 yeah, the chalkboard app absolutely buzzing for anyone listening that's already in the chalkboard app. It's absolutely electric. Keep it going. Having a great time in there. Anyone not in it yet? Man, this is just a group talking hockey. All the big plays, all the big moments. Uh, me and Greg are in there uh, every night. So. Absolutely electric. Um, I will lead off. Well, I'll, I'll give updates so everyone's aware. So in this series, uh, I took Islanders in six. Greg's on Carolina in seven, just so everyone's up to date on this. And and uh, this is a series. Kane's up too, man. Like you said, they lock it down defensively uh, really well. Islanders do the same. Sorokin's been playing exactly as expected. Um, this is going to be low scoring the entire way. Could be biased. As we know, I just said I'm on Islanders. But I don't think Carolina up to uh, – is telling of how this series has gone. I think we have to talk about it here. Game two. I'll, I'll turn it back to you for a second. What do you think of the OT winner? Did you see that? I, high that stick? high stick is driving me nuts being on, being a guy who picked Islanders. Did you like, I'm not alone here. No. What'd you see? Yeah, it's, it's a clear high stick. And uh, I, I think the argument against it was that, um, you know, the player, uh, his, he, he kind of lifted his stick and the, and the stick, you know, went up uh, and hit him in the face. But, 
Uh, I think in the rule book, I saw Mike Johnson break it down fairly well. There's nothing in the rule book that says, you know, how the stick hits him in the face. You know, you have got to be in full control of your stick at all times. So it definitely should have been a call. Obviously, you know, the refing has been, you know, skeptical across the entire entirety. And it will always be a topic of discussion when we're talking about the NHL playoffs. But, yep. but like, yeah, like you said, I mean, heading back to New York, you know that rink is going to be absolutely buzzing. I don't know if this series is over yet. Auntie Ronta's played fantastic. Interesting that they yeah. went with, they gave him the nod. Uh, but his numbers this season were fantastic. 19-3-3 in between the pipes this year. So he's been fantastic. Obviously, last year uh, was great between the playoffs. Freddie Anderson, I mean, that guy, what a tough, you know, last three, four years he's had. But uh, but no, I don't think this thing's done yet, man. And you know what? I, I completely agree with you. And, and like I said, I thought it was a high stick. It's a tough way to see it end. Just going back to Mayfield there, he definitely got a high stick. That's definitely a call that's been made majority of the time in the, in the NHL, let alone playoffs. Don't love how Mayfield went over to the ref mid-play. Like, I mean, you're putting yourself in a position, not a good look in the NHL, in the playoffs. Yeah. Try to focus on the game. If it's not called, it's not called. Um, but uh, like you said, and I think that speaks a lot to the Hurricanes as a team. They're so good up and down the lineup. They're so good five and five. And I think that's because of the coaching, man. Like Rod Brindamore going with Ranta is indicative of how he coaches his team, man. He's going with the guys that are going to be playing the best hockey. And that's that's not just a net. Ranta's the hot hand in net. He goes with them. That shows everyone else on the team. Hey, if you're playing the, your best game, you're playing. I'm not, I don't care what you're getting paid. I don't care how long you've been in the league. So it just gets it just makes this team uh, um better every day. The fact that like it's it's performance based, man. You can't go out there. You can't be lazy. You can't be soft. And Hurricanes up two is going to be tough. I mean, like I said, I think it's been close. I could see Islanders winning both at home. I really can. That place is going to be a madhouse with those Islanders diehards. Um, the series isn't over, but man, it would have been big time different if it was one one going into New York. But. What are you going to do? Hey, we'll see. It's going to be a tight one, I think, still. Big time. It felt like the Islanders could have had game two. It felt like they were they were the better team, and it felt like they, they deserved that game, but obviously that wasn't the case. Uh, uh, Kane's up two, heading to New York. That game, game five will, or sorry, game three will be uh, tonight. But uh, let's move into the Boston Bruins-Florida Panthers series, Justin. Uh, obviously, you're going to have some biased takes from me being a Bruins fan. Um, but the series tied 1-1, um, and uh, the Bruins, they, they look flat in both games. Um, obviously, being without Patrice Bergeron, um, and it is announced, too, that it's not an illness he's dealing with. Uh, Patrice Bergeron's dealing with an elbow injury. Uh, it's interesting because people are saying, you know, why was he playing down the stretch of the regular season? Well, it's interesting because his dad's dealing with cancer and they played the final game in Montreal where his dad was able to go watch. So he wanted to play in front of his dad. Incredible story. It just speaks to the character of Patrice yeah. Bergeron. So he played that game. Uh, he's missed the first two games. I'm not sure if he flew with the team. I'm, I, I heard that he did not fly with the team. But anyway, it's going to be interesting because that guy is such a pivotal player for that top line. He gets Brad Marchand going, who has played well in the series. Uh, but it just kind of bumps everybody into a more comfortable position in the lineup. Uh, but they go in game one. They win game one. They get up 3-1, kind of shut things down. Uh, but game two was all Florida. Sam Bennett gets back in the lineup. He, I guarantee, you know, made a huge difference for that team. He was all over yep. pucks, causing turnovers, a ton of turnovers by the Boston Bruins. Um, and they get dusted. Uh, and uh, and we got a 1-1 series heading down to Florida. Any key uh, things that you've seen from this series so far, Justin? No, I think you hit on most of them. I mean, uh, like you said, I don't think Boston's looked the dominant team. Um, and and I, I mentioned it before we went, went into it. I have Bruins in six. You have Bruins in five. But for me, the big thing with Bruins in six was that I, I brought up the metrics before on the, on the podcast prior. Like, they, they outperformed in the regular season. They, they were – everything was going right for them. 
And again, I don't think they're uh, a weak team or anything like that. They're a great team, but uh, you got to come down to earth. And when you play a playoff team like the Island, uh, like the Panthers, sorry, it's going to show the, that you overperformed if they're going to play a strong game like they have. And they have the, the talent and, and Kachuk and Barkovs and stuff like this team is, is loaded. But um, for me, something that stands out just quickly about the Panthers is the, the decision to go back to Lyon. A phenomenal decision, obviously, and how he played in game two. But um, the decision to go back to him was was showing and telling about what they think of Bobrovsky yes. <laughs> and, and what they believe in with Lyon. So um, going back to Lyon looks great. I uh, uh, think he's going to keep rolling. Like I said, I, I do think the Bruins are the, are the more talented side. I have him in six, and I don't think that's going to change much. Um, but like I said, I think Panthers could still get another game. Uh, maybe we see a game seven, but um, this Bruins team has the ability to turn it on. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, not great start, but hey, a lot of, a lot of series left. It's really just one period for the Boston Bruins. Tied 2-2 going into the third last game, and they really just let the yep. game get away from them. Uh, you know, Florida scores three goals. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, they're missing the fearless leader in Patrice Bergeron, but I still think they've got the depth to get it done. I still think they win this series. But it's funny, you know, it's it's been a long time uh, since... You know, I'm a Bruins fan. I try, you know, obviously being in the in, in the sports media and doing a sports podcast and, and you know talking sports all the time. I try to be less biased, but when it comes down to the pure fandom of a team, it's crazy how much your blood boils. And like when your team, it's not going your way. I'm getting text messages from people. Montour is better than McAvoy. Like when when they scored the sixth goal, like. I'm I am furious and, and it's just it's it's fun. That's what you love about sports is the emotion it brings out of you. But uh, tied one one heading to Florida. Game five will be uh, tonight, uh, so looking forward to that one. Let's move into the Toronto Maple Leafs and Tampa Bay Lightning. So obviously this is probably the highlighted series in the Eastern Conference right now, just due to the fact that we're Canadian, Justin. All we hear about in the Canadian media is the Toronto Maple Leafs taking on a team that's been to three straight cups. And in game one, it could not have gone worse for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Tampa Bay comes out. They get a quick one. They go up 3 nothing in the first period. And, you know, Toronto kind of, they start the second and you're like, okay, maybe there's a little bit of life here. Justin's posting in the chalkboard app. It's plus, one, plus 800 live for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, they score two goals. It's a 3-2 game. And then they get into penalty trouble. End up getting absolutely dusted. Lose 7-3. Everybody is up in arms. But last night, obviously, we saw the huge response from the Toronto Maple Leafs. They come back. They come out flying. Mitch Marner draws a penalty 45 seconds into the game. Scores on a slap shot and they didn't look back. Johnny Toronto, John Tavares, the captain of the team, scores a hat trick. Morgan Riley, four assists. It was the first game I've seen Morgan Riley play like that in a long, long time. Jumping up in the rush, playing with a lot of confidence. The Toronto Maple Leafs are right back in that series. Tied 1-1, heading down to Tampa Bay. What have you seen so far, my man? Yeah, so first of all, the Toronto fan base. Oh my goodness, with this fan base, it is absolutely relentless. Anybody who is cheering for Tampa Bay Lightning that is not a Lightning fan is strictly cheering against the Toronto fan base. I don't know if these Toronto fans know this about any everyone outside of Toronto. I really do believe they, they, they think they're the only ones watching NHL hockey or themselves in Toronto, but... The, every fan base is cheering against you. I'm not sure if you, you do you remember the, the show Tim and Sid, Sid, Sid Six Arrows now yeah, on yeah. Breakfast Television. Yeah. The rant that he went on on Breakfast Television, this is the, the number one uh, Toronto morning show for news, etc. He is absolutely tearing this Leafs team apart on Breakfast Television <laughs> for the news in Toronto. Yeah. This fan base is unbelievable. And I haven't seen it yet, uh, obviously, from just happening, but there's only, there's definitely a, just knowing how Toronto fans are. There's, there's two sides of this, these, this fandom. One, they're still saying right now that they're going to fail us. They're going to lose in five. They have no faith in their Leafs. They just trash them. And the other half of them are saying they're going to win the cup. They're back. They just hammered Tampa. Game one was a fluke. They win the cup. There's no in-between. There's no realistic here. 
that's it's that's first things first. If any Leafs fans aren't aware of this, that's who's cheering against. That's why teams, people are cheering against you. In terms of the play on the ice, that game one was riddled with, riddled with penalties, and so was game two. Quite honestly, um, I'm watching them. So I hope that we could see some more five on five, and obviously refs got to call call penalties when they are. But these these five on five swings, if you've been watching, it's like ten minutes in, of Toronto being in the Tampa zone, dominating play. Tampa goes down, scores. Then they have set six minutes of, of nonstop play in the Ozone. Like, these teams are so back and forth. I still like the Leafs, Leafs here to win this series. I, I I like what I've seen from them, quite honestly, especially even in the game one when they lost. Like, to come back 3-2. But, again, the penalties made that game a blow. Ryan O'Reilly is exactly what Dubas has been trying to trade for for the last three years. Felino wasn't it. He's done this every year. Like Felino was what he thought or like O'Reilly is now, but that's what he was hoping for. And they finally hit when they got O'Reilly. He is unbelievable right now. Unreal. Nylander and Tavares, like those three right now, when they're on the ice, they have had so much success that it's starting to look overwhelming. Like Stamkos's line, uh, Point, Kucherov, those three guys are kind of the only thing right now that Tampa has going for them in terms of production because – Right now, the Leafs are rolling over the rest of the Tampa lineup. So, obviously, Hedman and Chernak being out were huge for that. Um, but, man, I still like I, I like Toronto here with, with, the, with the depth they have. And I think at that game, two, I don't think that game, two is showing that this series is going to be back and forth. I could be wrong. I know I'm on Toronto at five. But I think that was just the start of them rolling this Tampa team over. For the first time in the last six years, I saw the Toronto Maple Leafs do what... I'm not a Toronto fan by any means, but what I've thought they should be doing. So they score a quick goal. Fans are into it. Mark Giordano, veteran player, goes, you know what? Yep. I'm going to go out and look for a fight to keep these guys into it. We're going to start finishing hits. I saw Matthew so three or four hits. Like, get involved physically. This is the playoffs. Go win battles. And they, I think their their compete level was much higher. They played much better. Um, you know, Tanner Janot and, um, and 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 Shan had a great fight. It was just it was a very emotion filled game. Um, and I expect uh, this to be just a bloodbath of a series for the rest of it. And uh, no, no team's gonna you know kind of fold. But it's uh, it's now best of five. Uh, I was happy for a response because if 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 Toronto would have lost that game, I mean it would have been a big hill to climb. You know, heading back to Tampa Bay. So uh, obviously yep. great response, and, and Toronto fans are happy. But let's move into the final series in the Eastern Conference right now. Uh, the New Jersey Devils taking on the New York Rangers. It's been all New York Rangers, and uh, I'm feeling like an absolute fool for expecting more to the New Jersey Devils, but this veteran team in the New York Rangers has just been fantastic. Back-to-back, 5-1 road wins, just in dominant fashion. You've got the top guns just buzzing. How about Tarasenko and Kane just filling net? You know, they've been fantastic. Chris Kreider, a guy who really flies under the radar. You know, not a lot of people give Chris Kreider the flowers he deserves. Uh, And again, Shesterkin versus... Bandicek, a huge upper hand for uh, for the for the New York Rangers in between the pipes, but they've been dominant for, through the first two games, and uh, I'm a little surprised. But how are you feeling about this one, Justin? Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. It's I have Rangers in seven. You're in Devils in seven. We both yeah. have it going seven, correct? Yeah. So I mean, uh, there it's the series isn't over. I mean, I, I don't see Devils winning two in New York. You know, I, I said the series isn't over. The series might be, the series is over. Let's, I, mean, series I is think over. the series is I over. That, I don't know. I don't know they're winning any in New York. That, yeah, we. Ha- I had this conversation. I'll ask you how how many rinks? Maybe Montreal, Boston Bruins, 
and MSG in the playoffs in terms of fan base and home ice, like this crowd is unbelievable. So I, I with the experience the Rangers players have, um, and you know what, I, I saw it online a little bit and, and, and people talking about it. Um, I put up a predictions on, on TikTok there. Uh, I had New York Rangers and, and I had the question come, why is everyone on the New York Rangers? The Devils won the season series. I think it was two on one. And I saw um, it talked about a little later on. It was, it was an NHL veteran. I can't remember who it was, but they were asked about playoff speed and the, the jump from regular season to, to game one of playoffs for young players who haven't played. And I'm talking about like the, the Jack Hughes, et cetera, the New York Jersey so Devils roster as a whole yep. being so young, this playoff speed for any NHL fan knows it is a huge jump. It is a huge jump, right? NHL regular season to NHL playoffs is a massive difference in the, in the game of hockey. And this Rangers team had the experience. I mean, Kreider's played over a hundred games. Kane's won a Stanley, Stanley cups. Then he's played how many games? Banjet's played how many games? Panarin. Like, these guys, this playoff speed is what they're waiting for in, 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 the, in when they started NHL season. For the Devils team, this is the first time they've seen this NHL speed. And you got thrown into the fire against a team that has multiple Stanley Cups, multiple uh, Stanley Cup playoff experience, and a, a whole lot of talent. So, for me, that couldn't have been a better example than going into game one here where Rangers absolutely beat the wheels off them. Game two, you know what they just said? Hey, you guys think we're going to take a step back? No, we know what we're here for. We're here to win the Stanley Cup. We are going to jump all over you guys here in game two and not give you a breath. Uh, that's what, that's what it is to me. I th- this is a series of experience versus inexperience and, and the experience is showing how, how dominant they could be. So um, I think Rangers, yeah, I, I'd be shocked if they, I, there's no way they lose both in New York. I'll be shocked if they don't get it done in, in five or less. Yeah, it's been it's been completely dominated, and I, I kind of feel like a fool just just you know looking at it. And it's been just like you said, experience has just kind of you know risen to the top and been the most important thing. And and with the New Jersey Devils having you know, little to none experience in the in the postseason, especially a lot of the key components to that roster, uh, Baron being their first playoff series. And we saw the Rangers going a nice run last year. And like you said, the two guys they brought in at the deadline with Patrick Kane and Valerie Tarasenko both have won cops. You know, they both yep. uh, you know just have had experience and going on runs so the Rangers look fantastic I'll give a shout out to my good friend Johnny Deacon he he was in my ear for picking up for picking the Devils and was all over the New York Rangers and, and let, let me know about that last night but listen let's move out west uh, obviously it's been uh, just a fantastic start and uh, we got a lot we, every single Western Conference Series is now tied at one uh, and we'll start yeah. things off with the Minnesota Wild and Dallas Stars. This one took a wild turn in game two but t- game one uh, Minnesota grits it out in double OT you, uh, Philip Gustafson stands on his head 51 saves against the Dallas Stars they win in over double overtime and then Minnesota in game 2 Justin decides you know what 51 saves may not have been good enough for us we're going to go with Marc-Andre Fleury which they said was the plan from the get go they are going to play both guys but a little odd to me uh, and Dallas ends up winning 7-3 uh, they hop on them early and so now we've got a 1-1 series uh, heading to Minnesota um, what'd you feel about the decision by the Dallas Stars to uh, switch from Philip Gustafson to Marc Andre Fleury? I have, I, again, I have it written down in our notes for, for our series prediction. I have Dallas in seven officially. You have Dallas in six. I said on that podcast, I have Dallas in five with an asterisk. Seven is my lock in, depending on if Fleury goes or if Gustafson goes. I assumed it was Gustafson. I took Dallas in seven. Okay, Minnesota wins game one. This is what we're, I'm expecting. It's going to be an absolute dogfight. We're going to have great goaltending. It's going to be a tight battle. Probably going to go the distance. Mark andre Fleury gets the nod in game two. What, what on earth are you doing? 
It's complete opposite of the theory of riding the hot hand. The hot hand just won you game one, and now you're fl- flipping it over? That is absolutely insane to me. I don't know that there's much more to talk about than the fact to switch goalies, to be quite honest with you. This Dallas team has experience. They are a unbelievable team all regular season. They have talent up and down the, the lineup, and they play with a lot of depth in terms of their production and offensive uh, uh, creation. You can't throw the weaker goalie when you know who the, the your go- top. Like, you have a proven hot goalie. Those are hot goalies are sometimes the golden tickets in playoff runs. And you flip to the guy who, who didn't just win game one, who's been sitting on the bench and who hasn't been the better guy. I mean, Rope, Hintz, and Heiskanen have uh, have been phenomenal for Dallas. They're they're a big part. I have their, them written down here as being um uh, the the leaders here for Dallas so far. Um, but I, I mean, I, I've, I've so a goalie on my team, big stats guy for goalies, uh, uh, loves the advanced stats. He brought this to me just before playoffs, and he said that um he went through the last number of years for NHL playoffs, and and you don't go far in NHL playoffs unless you have a goalie in the top fifteen for uh goals. Goal saved above expected. Gustafson's in that top fifteen. Flurry's nowhere near. Again, we we <laughs> you could beat a dead horse all you want, but it, 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 this is strictly the decision of the goaltending. I mean, I, how, am I wrong? I, I, how could you start Flurry going forward? Do you disagree? I'm a big advocate, Justin, and, and even when I played sports back in the day, and you know, in junior hockey, like in, come playoff time, it's like if you get a win. You're going with that same group. Like, you make minimal changes to that group, and that's kind of how it's been. Like, if you're a guy looking on the outside and your team gets a dub, you're probably not going to get in the next game. Like, that's kind of how it's been, especially if you're a fringe guy. If you're a fringe guy up in the stands, you know, watching for your, your fourth line, third line, if, you, if, if those boys go out there and get a dub, you're not getting in the lineup. You know, you stick with what's working until it doesn't, and then you maybe make some adjustments. But obviously, you know, this was a, uh, a predetermined notion by uh, by the uh, by the Wild to go with Marc-Andre Fleury. Obviously just got battered and beaten uh, in the media for making that decision. So obviously a bad one, but it's tied 1-1. We're heading back to Minnesota. I still am confident that Dallas is going to win this series, uh, and I know you are as well. Uh, but let's move in to the Edmonton Oilers versus the Los Angeles Kings, and and I mean, I think it's been a lot of what we expected. The Edmonton Oilers have been absolutely fantastic. And we got to give Leon Dreisettle his flowers. He is second all-time in points per game in the playoffs. Has just been phenomenal. It hasn't been the McDavid show. It has been the Leon Dreisettle show. Uh, in game one, Edmonton goes up 3-1. And, you know, you're like, okay, this game's over. No, 10 minutes left in the third. They go down, they, they give up a goal. And then with 17 seconds left, tied 3-3, goes into overtime. And uh, they take a bad penalty. Go down 4-3, lose game one after dominating. But game two, obviously big response. Ended up winning 4-2. It's tied 1-1, heading to L.A. But it's been a really a Leon Dreisaitl show. He's been fantastic. I think Edmonton has uh, dictated play most of this series. Uh, obviously, there may have been some bad penalty calls in game one. But you just can't let go of a 3-1 lead. Uh, we look at teams like Carolina and teams like Boston when they had those types of leads in their game ones. They knew how to close it out, shut things down defensively. Edmonton couldn't do that. But we're tied 1-1. Uh, it's been fun. Anything you got, Justin? So I'm just looking at it uh, as you were saying that Leon Drysaddle. Okay, uh, uh, you can't give enough flowers to this guy in the way he started. I- I'm going to ask you this question, uh, and I want to know honestly because I understand both sides. Of it. So you pull up the Con Con Smythe Trophy current uh, uh, odds for who- who's going to win the Con Smythe Trophy. Um, obviously, Pasternak's one, and all marks is three because uh, Bruins being the big favorites to win yep. the cup. Yeah, Connor McDavid's two. Yeah. 
Leon Drysdale, 17th. Get out of here. 17th. Get right out now. of here. Is what I'm hearing, and I don't know, you might have to go jump on what this are his odds? we're speaking about it. 3,000. What? Wow. So what I'm asking you is this. It is because obviously Conor McDavid's looming, and if they're going to go win the Stanley Cup, which you need to do to win the Conn Smythe, um, is there any way Drysaddle outscores McDavid? I know he's doing it through two games, but is there any way he does it for the next 20? Like, it, it, I, I'm asking you that question because that's obviously indicative of what they're saying, that they don't believe it'll happen long-term. But he's got quite the lead right now, and look what he did on the bad ankle. Look what he did on the bad ankle last year. He's healthy. What? I, I don't think it's that crazy to think that this guy could absolutely go – uh, bananas and, and win that thing. I don't, I don't know. What do you, what do you think? It's a fantastic bet. I mean, this guy has been better in the playoffs. Like there was a year when uh, McDavid was injured and, and dry had them into all this team on the back. I mean, this guy is an absolute gamer. He's a freak of nature and he flies under the radar at times because of Connor McDavid and all the attention that Connor gets. But Leon Dreisaitl is the second best player in the NHL. He's right there. Like, he's he's right there behind McDavid. And having those two on the same team is unbelievable. I love plus 3,000 uh, for, for Leon Dreisaitl to win the Conn Smythe. It's unbelievable and, and odds. Again, here's another thing to back it up. I mean, you, second best player in this current playoff. Uh, third best player all time in playoff history through 60 games. Fewest games to six uh, through 30 games. Sorry. Fewest games to 60 career playoff points. Ready? Wayne Gretzky won 26 games. Mar- uh, Mario Lemieux, second, 34 games. Leon Drysaddle, third, 38 games. That's all time to 60 points, this guy. Connor oh. McDavid, I think, is down at five. Playoff points per game, all time. Drysaddle's like three. I mean, this guy's absolutely going bananas, and I don't. I just can't fathom why this would stop. That's what I don't understand. For sure, and especially this oh. series, because we look, and Connor McDavid only had three points against the Kings in their four games this year. Uh, he only has one point through two games in the playoffs. Drysaddle's been going off. It seems like the Deneau and Kopitar combo have a good feel for McDavid, and they make things very challenging on him. Yep. It seems like Leon Drysaddle is playing with a little bit more freedom and just has the upper hand on these guys. So it'll be interesting to see through these next five games. Uh, but I could see Leon really having a nice buffer in terms of points. But I think McDavid is going to find a game during this series where he goes oh, yeah. and has a heyday. And and he's he's had those games. Again, I've watched every minute of the Oilers and, and Kings series. Um, McDavid has had like two or three breakaways every game. Uh, phenomenal uh, two on ones everywhere. He's been he was hooked on a breakaway that gave them the five on three. Connor McDavid is going to absolutely light up this playoffs. It's just not going in in the moment. He's hit a post and he's an escape late and stuff like that. It's going to happen. But they get past the LA Kings, man. Like. I just don't see what's there in the West in terms of slowing down dry saddle McDavid's production. Like Seattle cracking with Grubauer, abs with, with um, uh, Gorgiev Dallas stars right now with Ottinger, like Vegas and jets. Like, I just don't like that's who's, that's who's next, right? Vegas and jets. I'm, I'm almost certain of that for, for Edmonton. Like I don't think Vegas and jets have the ability to shut these two down. So uh, we'll see. I mean, I like Oilers here. I, I do. I think they can win this thing in five. Still, I really do. But um, it, it's it, every game's been close, so you can't you can't lock that in. But that's still my prediction. Yeah, absolutely. Just a, a few lapses here and there uh, in, in different mm-hmm. periods. The second period of game two, and, and obviously the third period of game uh, one. Uh, but let's move into uh, Colorado and Seattle, and a shocking game one in Colorado, where Seattle came out buzzing, end up winning three one, and then in game two came out and shocked them as well, getting an early lead. Uh, 
the Avs battle back, uh, and they're tied. To, they're tied going back to Seattle. But you know what's evident to me, uh, Justin, is the Colorado Avalanche. They're not the same team uh, as they were, and they are missing guys like Nazem Kadri and and and, Le- and uh, Gabriel Landeskog. It looks like Josh Manson, who missed a lot of the season, he's back. He's rusty, um, but. They are tied going back to Seattle. I do expect them to win this series, but they are not as scary as they were last year. That is for sure. And Seattle has been beyond impressive. Yeah, I, I I'll much to add. I think you hit on the head. All, all I was going to say is um, I, I had I had abs in six because of Kraken's depth. Like, that's what their team was, and people don't really see that because they, they don't get caught up in the superstars, so they don't watch a ton of Seattle. They had unbelievable expected goals percentage. This is a good team. The only thing I had was was you said no no Landeskog's a big deal, and the guy they the guys they lost. I mean, I think the only thing I could say about this is I think the the expectation we had on the Avalanche, and I know they finished strong, was that I think we got um we got spoiled with Tampa Bay Lightning the last few years, seeing how a team could just keep rolling uh, into the Stanley Cup Finals. That's not how this usually goes in professional sports. Like you lose guys and you take step backs because because contracts. Tampa somehow didn't have to do that. But this, this, it shows like they were unbelievably deep last year, and that's what got them to the cup. You can't do that every year. Well, do I think they'll win this series? I do. Uh, can they make noise still in this playoffs? Absolutely. But I think you already hit on the head. Missing Lannis Gog and those guys is, is a big, big indicator here of why this series is 1 1. Yeah, a little worrisome. But I think, you know, maybe we didn't get enough, give enough flowers to Seattle because they did have a great start to the season. And, you know, for a team that, you know, doesn't maybe have the megastars, they're deep and they play really hard. Uh, yep. Let's move into that final series the Winnipeg Jets versus the Golden Knights. The Winnipeg Jets. They made a statement in game one. I'm sorry, they came out flying. They win 5-1. Yeah. They limit the high-powered offense of the Vegas Golden Knights to 17 shots. Two shots in the third period uh, when they were down. Obviously, we got the game last night. Vegas responds. Mark Stone, a couple goals. Uh, they respond 5-2. It'll be heading to Winnipeg, tied 1-1. Uh, great series. A really fun one to watch. Uh, anything uh, out of that series, Justin, you want to take note of? Yeah, so for me... The few things with this series that that stood out to me is Vegas is, Vegas is struggling with the goalie injuries they have and not having Thompson. Um, I think that was a big part of game one and, and and why this series might be close going forward. I think Vegas is by far the better team. I just think that's a big component for them is having to start Prosaw uh, in net. Um, second thing I noticed was how much of an X-factor Mark Stone is. Uh, again, he, he, he's a huge type of player that makes everyone around him better that like that's something that is hard to quantify in statistics but Bergeron's one of those guys I think Mark Stone's one of those guys he does everything well and he makes everyone else around him bigger I think this is gonna be a long series like you said the one thing that concerns me for Vegas we've seen it with Carolina last few years this power play is not clicking phenomenally right now they have they didn't have that had a bunch of power plays last night they didn't score on the power play in game one Carolina lost last few playoffs with that their power play going dry. If the, if Vegas could start clicking on the power play, I think they win uh, last night by bigger than they did. Um, but that's something to watch. I think if if Jets either have their number or Vegas just isn't clicking, they could be keeping Jets in a lot of games. And when you keep teams in the NHL playoffs in games, doesn't go well for the long term of the series. So um, again, still expect Vegas to win the series, but Tage uh, Thompson being out in net. 
and that power play are two things to keep an eye on for me for Vegas. Absolutely, absolutely. So that's tied 1-1, heading to Winnipeg. Looking forward to that one. All right, Justin, let's move into quarter two here. Uh, and we've got some NBA series to talk about. We won't talk about all of them in depth because I think a lot of them have been decided. A lot of them, uh, really, there's not much worthy to talk about. But we'll start things off with the Philadelphia 76ers versus the Brooklyn Nets. I think this is going just as we predicted. It's a bit of a dusting. Yep. Um, we just look at these two rosters. Even you know on paper, there's just so much more talent on the Philadelphia 76ers roster. The Brooklyn Nets just don't have the depth or the talent to keep up with this uh, with this Philadelphia 76ers team. They're up 3-0. Uh, do you think they close it out in a sweeping fashion? I do think they, they went in a sweep. I mean, I, I, Philly has a good defense. Uh, it's a little bit maybe underappreciated just because it's James Harden and B. They're not necessarily known uh, by some of the casual fans as uh, unbelievable defensive players, but what I want to see from this playoffs it, with Philly closing out in four is how do they take this defense into the second round against a, a Celtics team that's phenomenal? Like, is this something where they're playing where you just got to defend Mikael Bridges? Um, and how do they take this defense into round two? I think the rest is going to be massive. Embiid has had injury trouble last few playoff runs, so I think sweeping is imperative for them. So. Uh, yeah, not much to say. Just the, the better team winning in the NBA. What's new? <laughs> for sure. And uh, we look, it's just what a wild year it's been for the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, obviously in the playoffs, but I mean, not long ago they had Kyrie and Kevin Durant, and now they're looking to get swept in the first round of the playoffs. The Boston Celtics versus Atlanta Hawks. The Celtics are up 2-0. I mean, both games have been, you know, fairly, you know, fairly easy for the Boston Celtics. I'm not sure. I don't know if the Atlanta Hawks can get one done, but I think, like we both said, I think the Celtics are going to walk through this one fairly easily. I mean, yeah. I, can they get one done or can they keep a game within single digits? I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's absolutely insane here. The difference in, in talent. I mean, um, if Boston is showing it right now, if they, if they, they have that playoffs switch, it looks like with that, with that experience. So um, either way, I think everyone would agree this Celtics 76 series is going to be phenomenal. And I can't wait for that. Cause uh um, yeah, I think we're, me and you are going to have a little bit of uh, decisions to make here and maybe be tracking that on either side. So yeah, we'll get, fun, we'll get a little uh, friendly wager going on that for sure. Um, but no, yeah. it's 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 funny. It's kind of like we're just waiting uh, for the second round in a couple of the series. But there are some series we're take note of, and this is one for sure. Uh, the Miami Heat versus the Milwaukee Bucks. So obviously we come out uh, and, and uh, Giannis gets injured early in game one. Miami holds on, takes down game one on the road in Milwaukee. Last game. I love this from the Milwaukee Boxing Game 2. Down 0-1 without your superstar on Giannis, and they get a collective effort. Brooke Lopez is buzzing with 25 points. Chris Middleton plays well. Drew Holiday drops 26. Just a phenomenal effort. Um, uh, Pat Cotton, uh, Connaughton just goes off as well off the bench. Just a, a great team effort. They blow the Miami Heat out. They're heading to Miami, tied 1-1. Hopefully Giannis gets healthy. This would be a very massive upset in the NBA. I don't think it happens. I think Giannis gets back in the mix. But uh, anything to note yep. from that series, Justin? No, I, I mean, I think the one thing to note is Giannis's injury. Um, the one thing that I'm not on that everyone else is on is that, yes, I think he'll come back, but coming back healthy, that's one. Two, staying healthy. That's the big thing for me. Like, um, um, th these injuries, for one, they're, they're probably going to beat the Heat, and they probably know that. And and this Bucks team has been phenomenal without Giannis when they had time for to prepare. So I know Giannis going out mid game is a lot different, but when they had time to prepare between games, they still showed how unbelievable they are with, with the team they have around uh, Giannis. But my trouble is Giannis being nagged with injuries, the rest of the playoffs. That's what stands out to me. Cause 
this isn't a conversation about the Miami Heat and the Bucks. This is a conversation about the Bucks and who they have to play going deeper. So I, I don't like that. I don't like that for Giannis. I don't like that for the Bucks. And if I were the Bucks, I'd be pretty worried about Giannis's health when it comes down to the the matchups that are going to test the Bucks a lot more. So so we'll see going forward. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, we'll move into the Cleveland Cavaliers versus the New York Knicks. All's tied at one. Um, I think it goes a little under the radar. Uh, that signing of Jalen Brunson in the summer for the New York Knicks, just been mm-hmm. phenomenal. That guy doesn't get enough flowers. He is such a phenomenal basketball player. Uh, he has a great game in game one. The Knicks end up winning. Uh, the Cavs beat the wheels off of the Knicks in game two, tied 1-1. I think we both have this series going seven games. I'm on the Cavs. You're on the Knicks. Uh, heading to New York, anything to, uh, to add, Justin? Uh, no, I mean, uh, I think it's going to be one where it's going to go the distance. What I kind of see with this one, with those teams being so close is I think it's going to be a coaching chess match. And then what I mean is I think it's going to be adjustment made. Okay. You guys got the better of us adjustment made. They made t- like Nick's bounce back next game. Yep. And I think that's what's going to be. It's going to be a lot of adjustments. I think both teams are pretty evenly matched. So like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think either of us have the upper hand, I guess Cavs because of the win the last game, maybe they have something figured out, but um, I think they split again on the road. I mean, if Cleveland wins both games in at home, uh, or Nick, sorry, it's over. But uh, I think it's going to be. Uh, I think this one's going to go the distance. I really think this is going to go seven. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, moving out west, the Denver Nuggets versus the Minnesota Timberwolves. We know the Denver Nuggets, the cream of the crop, first place in the Western Conference, taking on a team. We saw a little dysfunction uh, going on before the playoffs. Uh, Denver's up 2-0. Jamal Murray, Canadian boy, a little 40-piece nugget meal. Um, I don't even know if you can get a 40-piece anymore in the United States. You used to be able to, or a 20 at least. (laughs) Um, But a little 40-piece in game two. They're up 2-0, heading to Minnesota. Is there any chance Minnesota gets back in this series, or is this just an absolute wash? Uh, No, this is a wash. Uh, Denver's by far the better team. I think what gets mistaken here and forgot about is Jamal Murray was hurt the last the last uh, playoff runs that that the Nuggets have been on. Like this guy's this guy's an all star. This guy's an absolute superstar. Um, We've seen him do it in the playoffs as well. The playoffs, he was healthy. He was an absolute stud for them. Yeah, like Jamal Murray and, and, and Nikola Jokic. Is it, it there? That Denver Nuggets team has duo. two all stars. Yeah, and what gets forgotten in all this is Michael Porter Jr., who I remember when he got drafted, he was he had that injury around the draft, so he didn't play his rookie year, I believe. And uh, but this guy was considered one of the steals of the draft, but it was because Denver was able to take on a rookie with an injury and wait on him. Man, is that paying dividends? Because that's the number three with Aaron Gordon. Like people don't watch enough of the Denver Nuggets, I don't think, to understand that like they have stars on this team. This isn't just a team that's like, oh, we have Jokic and then some depth around. No, this team is built to win. And I, I, like I said, I think they get it done. We'll see moving forward, but this series, this series is over. And you know, for a fact, Jamal Murray, man, that guy's got stones. I mean, to be able to go on Instagram live and show your girlfriend, you know, that's just, it's, you know, he's got, uh, you know, he's got that dog in him. We'll put it that way. Uh, moving on into the golden state warriors, Sacramento Kings series. Uh, this one was surprising. Obviously Sacramento came out and, it's gone this way all season long for the for the Golden State Warriors. The second worst road record in the NBA, only behind the Pistons. Uh, and they lose both games in Sacramento. That building was buzzing. Uh, but they get one last night. Uh, Steph Curry, 36 points. That series tied 2-1. But if they're banking on, they're going to have to get one in Sacramento, clearly, to win this series. Uh, but, man, what a surprising uh, turn it has been. And obviously, we'll, t- we'll note that uh, Draymond Green suspended one game for stomping Sabonis in the chest. I- I- I'll-, I'll hesitate to say stomping. It was kind of just a light 
great step. Um, but uh, regardless, it's been an odd season for Draymond Green suckering teammates and, and uh, you know, starting his podcast, ranting on that. Uh, but uh, Golden State down 2-1. Anything to note on that, Justin? Um, yeah, so, I mean, obviously you mentioned it. Can't win on the road. Uh, it's been the story of the whole, whole season. But um, Draymond Green, this is what is interesting to me. Uh, um, J.J. Redick talked about it. And he was talking about how he kind of sees the Sacramento Kings playing a strategy of getting under Draymond's skin and having some dirty plays happen at Draymond to kind of entice him to make some bad decisions, which they did, and he gets suspended. Um, I have two things to this. Uh, one, I don't know, maybe that gets addressed and maybe we start seeing the Sacramento Kings called on a few more things when Draymond gets back. Two, Draymond Green. As good as he is defensively, and he's very good defensively, and as much of experience he brings in leadership, phenomenal. He isn't the player that he ain't dropping a triple-double every night. He isn't dropping 18, 11 assists and 10 rebounds. Like, this is a guy that's kind of right, been for the whole season, like eight points, four, four assists, like six rebounds. Like, I know him being out is a big name. It's a big leadership, obviously, what he's done through his career. But this Golden State team is built with, I believe, Curry, Jordan Poole, and Andrew Wiggins. So, I mean, those are the three for me that if one of those go out, that's a big series changer. Um, I think Golden State wins game two at home. I think it's going to be a 2-2 series. Um, You have Golden State in six, I believe. That's what I got down. I I think that's right. And, man, I I think that might be exactly what happens here because if they steal that game on the road in Sacramento, they come home winning three straight games and they're playing Golden State for game six. I mean, again, I, I... I had them in five. I'm wrong, but I, I, I now start to lean towards your, your six pick might be right on the head. Yeah, hopefully. Um, obviously, Darren Fox has been phenomenal. He's just clutching. Yep. And, and, uh, but yeah, hopefully uh, Golden State, I, I do want to see Golden State move on. Uh, but what a surprising upset that would be if they don't, if they can't get it done. Uh, moving into yep. the Lakers-Memphis Grizzlies series, tied at one. Obviously a great game one from the Lakers to get a, uh, an upset win on the road. Uh, and then Memphis uh, ends up winning by just just about 10 points uh, to tie the game up. Dylan Brooks, obviously, in the media afterwards, beaking LeBron. I don't know how you feel about that. I've got some comments for that. But uh, all tied up, heading back to L.A. I think this is actually right where the Lakers want to be. Uh, and I know you have the Lakers in seven. Uh, and I think I've got Memphis in six. So yep. uh, I think, you know, I, I do I do want to see LeBron go on. And it, it does seem like, um, you know, the Lakers are playing with uh, a little bit more uh, jam. But I also want to give a shout out uh, to uh, Austin Reeves. I mean, this guy went just clutch mode in game one. Um, you know, was running down the court screaming, I'm him, which I love to see. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, what do you see? What do you see from the Lakers Grizzly series? No, just to touch on Austin Reeves, what you got to be a special human being to walk, to yell on a court with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. I am him. That is just <laughs> absolutely phenomenal by him. Yeah. Um, fun to see, fun to see for sure. But uh, in terms of the series, I have Lakers in seven. I made a video again on TikTok predicting the uh, Western Conference. I had, um, Lakers beating this Grizzlies teams without Grizzlies team without Morant. I had them then beating the winner of Golden State and Sacramento, and then I had them losing to Denver. And I was getting worried if Lakers make the Western Conference final, they ain't losing to Denver. Yada yada yada. Man, I predicted this wrong. And anyone who's who's getting after them not losing to Denver, LeBron James can't be scoring twenty eight points to twelve rebounds, and you lose to a team of the Grizzlies without Yam Morant. Like that should not happen. That can't happen. Anthony Davis puts up thirteen points. Jaron Jackson was the defensive player of the year, and I think he's this is underrated to this Grizzlies team. I, for sure, had it underrated myself in terms of looking at this series. 
if Jan Morant could come back to his form and this Grizzlies team could play a team game like they did around him in this game without him, this this Lakers team, I'm, I'm not feeling so great about this pick. Like, they won game one. So that kind of tells me maybe uh, Morant, Morant's injury is limiting him a lot more than, uh, than what we were kind of led on to believe. Um, obviously, now he's out, so it shows it. But if this Grizzlies team maybe found a rhythm here and, and they know how to shut down Davis and, and make LeBron and Reeves have to be what, what wins these games, I don't feel as good about the Lakers. I, like, I don't know what Morant's status is long-term in this series. Like that Xavier Tillman, second-round pick, he's 24 years old. He drops 22 points, 13 rebounds. Maybe this Grizzlies team has a lot more in them that when Moran goes down, these guys are able to step up and show, Hey, we got depth and, and then we're going to take it to him. You can't rule out LeBron, but uh, again, we'll, we'll have to see what this goes down. Uh, this looks like it's going for the long run here. Yeah. I'm excited for, for sure. Uh, and there's the Dylan Brooks comments and everything like that. No John <laughs> Morant. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. It's going to be exciting. Uh, but just the final series in the NBA before the halftime show, Justin, we got the Phoenix Suns uh, taking on the Los Angeles Clippers. Obviously the Clippers win game one. Uh, yep. Kawhi Leonard just absolutely goes off. Uh, Russell Westbrook comes clutch down the stretch. Uh, but uh, the Suns win two straight games. It looks like Kawhi Leonard's injured. So for Clippers fans, I mean, you, Kawhi Leonard's out. Paul George is out. I just don't think you can stay competitive in this series without those two guys. Um, so the uh, Suns up 2-1, heading back to L.A. Is there any reason you could see the Clippers coming back and winning this series? Uh, the, the only reason would be if Kawhi and Paul George were able to come back. And it's a shame for me. Uh, they get Westbrook puts up 30, 12, and 8. Powell puts up 42. Um I guess I said it again in the preview. We talked about it here with, with how this team's built, but the injuries are going to limit them. Uh, like I said, we both predicted that that this is going to be a story of, of uh, Clippers missing Paul George. Now they're missing Kawhi. You're not beating Booker, uh, Durant, et cetera, without those guys. Kawhi pulled it off in game one, but even if Kawhi was healthy the rest of the way, I think that was going to be a situation where, yeah, Kawhi made it, got it done in game one. I don't see it happening for seven, but um yeah, without both of those guys, this is going to be done quick. If somehow, miraculous, miraculously, they're both healthy, I can see Clippers winning this series. I just don't think that's the case. I think this is going to be a Suns team that they're just too talented. They're too talented to be missing Kawhi and Paul George, despite what you get from Westbrook and Powell. So it's unfortunate that the injuries have played such a factor in this series. But, yeah, I mean... That's, that's the story of the matter. If they can't be healthy, you're not going to win against the Suns. Absolutely. I expect the Suns to close that out um, in the next, uh, you know, over the next week. Uh, but that's a long first half, folks. Uh, <laughs> but obviously, we had to dive into each series, see what was going on. But listen, let's move into the halftime show here, Justin. Yeah. We've got some fill in the blanks. And we've got some sports-oriented fill in the blanks. I'll give you my first one here. Um, continue on the halftime show. Uh you need a home run, bottom of the ninth World Series. You can pick any MLB player. You're going with blank. Jose Altuve. Okay. Jose Altuve, and, and here's why. Here's why. I know Judge uh, Guerrero for the Jays. I know there's the home run hitters. Jose Altuve, 23 home runs in his playoff career. I don't know if anybody's aware of where that ranks. I'm it's at the top. It's 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 one of the top three, I believe, uh, for a playoff career. Also, I remember 2019 watching that run. I believe he hit a game six walk off to go to the World Series. Like he's hit it. He's shown. It. He's shown. He's clutch. And and you could hit home runs in the regular season, 
and then there's hitting home runs, the big moments. That's what this question is. I'm going Altuve. What what, what do you have there? You, you, like you're not it. going the same, I assume. I'm going Aaron Judge. <laughs> yeah. But yep. that's that's yeah. the chalk. That's the chalk. Um, here, do you want me to give? Do you want me to give you three? Yeah, sure. Give me okay. three. Yeah. Yep. All right. This is an interesting one. Okay. You've got one-on-one man coverage. You're a defensive coordinator in the Super Bowl. Fourth down. One-on-one versus Devontae Adams. You want blank as your corner. Richard Sherman. And I know he's not in the league, but don't test me. Don't test me. Come on, Richard Sherman. With a sorry receiver like Devontae Adams. <laughs> don't test me with a sorry receiver like Devontae. Richard Sherman, he's proven it. He, he he wants that matchup, and that's what I want. If I had to go current, Jalen, Jalen Ramsey won the Super Bowl. Unreal man-to-man. Again, he's got the length and everything. I'm going Richard Sherman, though. If I could have anyone, that's yeah, yeah. what I'm picking. I like it. I like it. All right. So you got to go with three players here. You could pick any three NHL players, three-on-three overtime to win the cup. You're going with blank. I'm going to be called crazy. I'm going McDavid, Drysaddle, and Ekholm. They're all on the same roster already, but that's what I'm doing. I don't think I'm going to get any pushback with McDavid and Drat. Best two players in the league right now. Give them three on three ice. They're absolutely scoring. And Ekholm is a big beast. He's going to be phenomenal for him. I'm two-way in that three on three. Those are the three I'm going for. He's got experience as well. McDavid, Drat, Ekholm. I think it's easy. I like it. I like it. I like it. All right. I got one for you. Yeah. You got one here first? Yeah. Okay. I got a couple, but I'll go with this one first, Cap. Okay. All right. Without Tiger Woods... You have a six-foot putt to win the Masters on Sunday. Who do you want taking that putt? Wow. This is uh, this is interesting here. Okay, I'm going to go with a guy, Jordan Spieth. Um, and I know that he missed a bunch of putts last week at the RBC Heritage. And, but this is a guy that won, has won at Augusta, and he is just a machine when it comes to the flat stick and clutch moments. So I'm going to go Jordan Spieth. I might get ripped apart for that answer, but uh, but I mean, I, I don't think statistically he like jumps off the page in regard to putting, but when that thing's hot, he doesn't yep. miss. Uh, Scotty Scheffler probably would have been a nice pick as well, or even John okay. Rahm. Uh, yeah. But, I got another one for you. Yeah. All right. Anyone all time, anyone all time, NHL shootout, team needs the win to go to the playoffs, anyone in NHL history, who are you picking to take that shootout shot? One name has just popped to mind, and I'm going with Pavel Datsuk of the Detroit Red Wings. That guy's mitts were so silky. He knows how to just an undress a goalie in any type of fashion. I'm going Pavel Datsuk to score that goal. I like that one a lot, actually. I really do. All right. I got one football one. Okay. All right. All right. Any NFL running back all time, Seahawks fans, maybe tune out for this. You're on the one-yard line to win the Super Bowl, fourth down. Who are you picking to run that football in all-time running backs? Wow. Do you go with Marshawn Lynch just to shove it in Seahawks fans' faces? Gosh, there have been some massive horses. You know what? I'm going to go with Derrick Henry. Uh, just due to the fact his size and and uh, I be I think he could just jump over the pile if he needed to, but I'll go Derrick Henry. But uh, in case Derrick was a little bit banged up and wasn't feeling himself, I'll go Marshawn Lynch. Pete Carroll, what were you thinking? <laughs> All right, Justin. Hey, how, do you not, how, do you, how did not go William Perry the fridge for the Bears back in the true, day? True, true, true. The fridge. Ah oh, man, <laughs> Earl Campbell had had size thirty four inch legs. <laughs> Hit what he could get one set of my jeans on each thigh, uh, but uh, 
But listen, folks, right. let's move into uh, to quarter three. We're going to get into the MLB just briefly here. We'll talk a little bit of golf here in, in, uh, in quarter four. Uh, but uh, just briefly here in the MLB, Justin, it sounds like the Oakland Athletics have purchased land in Vegas. It sounds like they will be relocating uh, in sometime in the next few years to Vegas. So Vegas continuing to garner uh, Oakland franchises. Uh, I mean, it, it just seems it seems like this was the inevitable. I mean, you look at the uh, Oakland yeah. Athletics Stadium, they get the worst fan attendance in the MLB, and Vegas... I mean, they are just a hot spot in regard to everything. So uh, it sounds like Vegas will be getting an MLB baseball team here in the next in the next uh, few years. Yeah, no brainer. I mean, this 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 Oakland team's also three and sixteen. They've been at the bottom forever. My only hope is that, and he's showing it here, I guess, with Pershing Land. I hope when the ownership does get this team to Vegas, they start spending money. That's yeah. that's what I hope. I hope it's just not, hey, let's go to Vegas. Hopefully, we get more fans, but we're still putting the same product out. Hopefully they, they they bring some people and they bring some players and they have some success. But yeah, I like the decision. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks leading the juiced up NL West ahead of the Dodgers, ahead of the Padres. What is going on there? I mean, is this a team, Justin, that we should be kind of looking over the next 10, 15 games and betting against them? Or do you, are you a believer that the Arizona Diamondbacks are for real this season? So the Diamondbacks have a little bit of an interesting situation. They don't have a big lead. They don't have a big lead, which obviously being being one is impressive through through 20 games here, but they don't have a big lead. But I have some experience on, on this team. Uh, Guriel Jr. has obviously been around uh, Marte. Like, they have experience, so I'm not shocked that they're not, like, 3-16, and 16, like we mentioned yeah. at Athletics, which I think a lot of people think of this Diamondbacks team. Um, but I, this isn't sustainable. I think it's sustainable to be just below 500 for a while. But in terms of winning the division, it's not sustainable. But I, I can't tell you that they're going to lose. Just so, like I don't think they're going to go cold from here. I know I don't think they're a team that's going to have a massive losing record. It'll be a losing record, but I don't think you could safely say, "Hey, maybe we just fade them the rest of the way." They won't win the division, but. Uh, I think this is more of a story of the Dodgers and Padres than the Diamondbacks, in my opinion. Absolutely. Um, but we'll move into the Padres. It sounds like they're going to get Tatis Jr. back here yeah. uh, in the uh, in the next few days. Uh, Tatis Jr., obviously, what a roller coaster it's been for him. Um, riding on an ATV, getting injured, uh, and then getting caught for sticking needles in his rear end. Um, so it sounds like he'll be making a return. Uh, is this going to be a big boost? I think it's going to take me a little time to figure out what this guy's got. It's been a long time since we've seen Fernando Tatis Jr. Um, but I think there, he's going to be welcomed with open arms. I think he's going to add in a, a nice, uh, a nice juice into the uh, Padres roster. First of all, phenomenal. Uh, nothing you want more from a player when you sign him to a massive multi-hundred million dollar deal than what he's been doing. So phenomenal by the Padres for that deal. That just looks phenomenal right now. So good for them. Um, next thing's next is they need him back. They're 10 and 11, four and six in the last 10 for the Padres. So not playing great uh, baseball. Runs scored their 25th, hits their 29th, average their 28th. This team needs the bat back in their lineup. Like I said, I, I think you hit it right in the head too. Um I know what he's done in the past. We'll see how well he gets equated back into the league and how long that takes. So it'll be interesting, man. That division is, like you said, wide open because the Padres are struggling. You don't know how Tatis Tatis will be. D-backs are leading, but then the Dodgers are right there. What a mess it is in in that division there. It is wild over there. Um, Max Scherzer, interesting moment this uh, yes. this week. He gets uh, obviously goes for the routine check by the umpire to check his hand. 
the umpire doesn't like the amount of stickiness, the stickiness that was yeah. uh, was going on in, in uh, Max Scherzer's hand. He gets ejected from the game. Uh, Max Scherzer was adamant that it was rosin. So rosin, obviously, you guys know, is the bag of legal um, kind of substance that pitchers can use uh, while they pitch. Uh, is Scherzer going to uh, face some discipline for uh, for uh, for sticky stuff? It's interesting. Uh, it's an interesting case here. Yeah, this is probably the most interesting uh, news in the MLB right now. So the story goes that he came up for his check. He had a uh, little bit of a sticky hand there, so he got told to wash it. It wasn't his throwing hand, I believe. It was his left hand, um, or his non-pitching hand, and they told him to wash his hand. So he comes back for his next check, hands washed, but in the glove, they found sticky. They tell him, go change your glove. Comes back next check. His hands far too sticky. The umps, I, I don't know if it's, they're just mad at him at this point for now trying to pull third time past him. They say it was so sticky to the point it's inconsistent with the rosin and, and sweat. Scherzer said what he did was legal. He got a 10 game suspension, which this guy's a starting pitcher in the MLB. It's one start. He got a one start suspension, which for me says two things. He didn't do he didn't do uh, anything that bad. If he's getting one start suspension. Yeah. And then two, it's like, if he didn't do anything that bad, what are we suspending him for? If, if it's legal, like you got to think, I mean, do you, if you use anything illegal, no matter how much he used, you got to think he's getting more than one start. Right. But then if he, if it's not illegal, why is he getting anything? I, I don't know. MLB, it's, <laughs> some of these rules. It's wild for sure. I mean, could you set, you know, precedent here with a guy like Max Scherzer, who's been a star in your league. Could you say, listen, Max, that's an 80 game suspension, you know, but I think, you know, obviously the 10 game suspension is just going to be one start, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's going to be difficult to, to, to prove that this is not rosin and, and sweat. Obviously they don't think it is. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it continues to be a massive, massive, um, you know, just checking point for the umpires, you know, bringing the pitchers out and, and, and making sure they're not using substances uh, on their hand. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll figure out, uh, you know, I guess we'll learn yep. more in his next few starts when he returns from suspension, uh, Justin, if uh, if he continues to use sticky stuff or if he continues to, uh, to uh, you know, try to uh, pull a fast one uh, on the umpires. But uh, Jay's update. The bats are absolutely humming, man. Uh, Matt yeah. Chapman off to a great start uh, offensively, and uh, and, and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. off to a great start, and so it's uh, even Bo Bichette is they're all top, I think, fifteen uh, in batting average so far, and uh, I, I think Matt Chapman only, uh, he leads the league in OPS uh, if I'm not mistaken. So just off to a fantastic start, but their pitching has just been so inconsistent. Uh, Alec Manoa has not looked great this season. Uh, obviously, we've seen Gosman show some ups and downs. Barrios had a great start but then their bullpen came up and just gas canned the eighth yeah. inning uh what have you seen from the jays uh if they can get their pitching back on track i mean this is the team that's probably going to be you know chasing down the rays here very soon if they can get things uh all uh, squared away in that rotation so so far we're, we're 19 games into the season and, and me and you are already in the marathon roller coaster of being a jays fan i think we're going to be in it the whole season yeah we started off by saying what's going on and then the dominate for a while and be they're eight and four in the last podcast. Yeah. Now we're sitting here and they're, they're second last in their division. Yes. They have a winning record, but it's two things for me. And you hit on that is, is pitching for sure that they're bottom half in the league in every pitching cut pitching stat. So obviously it's not clicking. Like you said, every starter is above a 3.6 ERA. If you take out Gosman, every starter is above four ERA. So, so you're not getting it from the pitching side. And then, you said how great Bichette, Springer, Vladdy, and Chapman are, but I don't, we're not getting a whole lot outside those top four. Like, 
we're getting enough. We have a winning record, but I mean, hey, the teams that are ahead of us is because they have two things that we don't right now. They have depth up and down the batting order, and they have the pitching that's clicking better than we are. So, hey, we, we're going to say it all year. I think me and you, it's a marathon. We're only 19 games in, but yeah, like, like I think we both agree. There's still things that uh, Jays are leaving us desiring here through 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 20 games. So, yeah, and, and uh, hey, we got we got. We got Yankees for the next three here. That's massive. I mean, I know it's early, but every time we play them, it's always massive. Huge game in, in Yankee Stadium coming up for the Jays. We just have some breaking news here. The NFL has suspended Jamison Williams, obviously a star young receiver for the Detroit Lions. Uh, six games for gambling. <laughs> so we got Calvin Ridley 2.0 here. Jamison Williams, this young star that we didn't get to see much of uh, for the Detroit Lions. Obviously a high draft pick a few years ago. Uh, will be suspended six games uh, for gambling. So the boys, the NFL receivers, stay out of the old casinos, gentlemen. Anyway, and, hey, go ahead. You know what? There's two quick things. I'll keep this uh, this quick. Yep. Uh, first things first is Calvin Ridley's got to be saying to himself, you told me that any gambling is a one-year suspension. So he's got to be saying, how is this guy getting six? Second of all, and we'll get into this more, I think, during the NFL season and maybe in the, the dog days of summer. Yeah. Um, fancy football, big thing. I'm a big fancy football guy. We're going to bring that element big time here. But oh, yeah. Jameson Williams was a rookie that came on big, and that's an offense in Detroit that had a lot of opportunity for a guy like Jameson Williamson, uh, Williams to dominate. A lot of people, dynasty leagues, et cetera, were fired up about Williams, and now you don't get him for the first six. Changes a lot of decisions made. So we'll touch on that later on. But, yeah, that's, that's big news, actually, for a lot of people. Absolutely. Uh, Clayton Kershaw, just finally in the MLB, uh, gets his 200th win. Just a horse, a first ballot Hall of Famer. So congrats to Clayton Kershaw there. I thought I'd give him some yeah. flowers. Uh, obviously, yeah. Dodgers pitcher there. Uh, let's move into quarter four here, Justin. Uh, let's get things closed out here in the PGA Tour. And we'll start things off. I, I sent the outline to Justin last night, and, and Justin's like, so we're going to talk golf, and we're not going to mention Tiger Woods. And I'm like, dude, I'm such an <laughs> idiot. So Tiger Woods, go, so Tiger Woods goes under uh, ankle fusion surgery. Uh, it'll be yeah. he'll be shut down most likely for the remainder of the year. Uh, it's been a long roller coaster for the you know the modern day goat for golf fans. Obviously, you know we could go on for you know an hour about you know what he's done for the game of golf and really still is the needle in golf. But uh, it really sucks that Tiger uh, is you know his body is. We'll go through his surgeries, but. It's it'll be a miracle to see him compete ever again. Yeah, it's 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 sour. Honestly, like talking about this is sour. It, it's something where you, you you we've said it a million times, and I know he's come back and he's proven everyone wrong. Like me me and Greg here aren't calling him out. We don't want him to be done. We don't want to play any narrative of like Tiger's done or try to run with that. Like this is a concerned conversation, like of two Tiger fans saying like, man, you. You, you're a fan of him in the game of golf and, and you cheer for him to play, you cheer for him to win. But from what he's given us over his career and, and, and watching golf and all the great moments, you feel for a guy and you almost think you know them, them some of these athletes over the years. Like I'm, I start to feel for him in terms of his body and what must be going through mentally with all these surgeries and how he's feeling. Like I just want him to be healthy. I mean, it may, Maybe maybe his next chapter is helping his kid Charlie, and that's what he does. Like maybe more full time, and he can't play as much. But uh, I just want whatever happens next to him be be without these injuries and all these mental grinds and everything. I hope he could just find something where um, he could just be happy and, and figure out what what's next for him. So uh, yeah, hopefully the surgery goes well. Wishing him the best, obviously with the 
any anything that comes from it. So I know, man. So let's just look at this. In 2008, he had two knee surgeries. Uh, 2015, he had two back surgeries, followed by a back fusion surgery in 2017. In 2019, obviously, he nearly lost his life in a car accident. Uh, his it completely shattered his ankle and his lower leg. They had to completely reconstruct that. If you see Tiger Woods without his his uh, lower pant on, it's a lot of skin grafts, so it's a very discolored lower leg. It's just completely reconstructed. And then uh, last week, undergoing an ankle fusion surgery. So you think this guy has just been through an absolute ringer and continues to try to come back and play golf. He loves the game. He's an absolute amazing character for the game of golf. He continues to be the needle. But like you said, Justin, I think at this point in Tiger's career, we're just happy to see him be happy. And if he doesn't, if he doesn't come back and ever play golf again, I think he's given us enough to be satisfied. Um, yep. But Tiger Woods uh, will be uh, will be out on sideline for the foreseeable future. Uh, last week was the RBC Heritage uh, in uh, obviously the week after the Masters. Uh, it was an exciting tournament. We had Matthew Fitzpatrick and Jordan Spieth battling it out. Jordan Spieth looking to go back to back at Harbor Town ends up losing to Matthew Fitzpatrick in a playoff. A big win for Matty Fitzpatrick. John Rahm actually hopped on the broadcast after he'd finished <laughs> his round, started commentating a little bit. It was phenomenal. Uh, what a great character! But uh, but it's it's crazy these elevated events that they made more money there than I, I've mentioned it. I think in three straight yeah. podcasts made more money at this event than in the masters, but uh, a great, uh, a great tournament there, uh, Justin. Yeah. And good for Fitzpatrick. Obviously great win. Um, Jordan speed. Okay. This putt, this putt to win that thing was going center cup. Like that thing, the view from behind the ball, this thing was falling center cup. And I don't know what on earth moved it back. Right. That blew it past the hole. Spieth was, already, was ready to give the big celebration. Everything ends up losing it on the next hole. But I don't, that ball was, I, I, I don't know. Maybe my, I got to get my eyes checked. I thought that thing was center cup and we were all sign sealed delivered for speed to go back to back. Oh, he had the putter in the air fist ready to be <laughs> pumped. And it, it was running backwards and it turned into a, what just happened moment quickly. Uh, but it was an exciting one. Congrats on Matt's with Pat, Matt Fitzpatrick. If you haven't watched the uh, Full Swing on Netflix, it's a great episode on him. He's an absolute workhorse. This guy has recorded every single shot he's hit in a tournament in the last, like since he was like 13. It's absolutely wild. I did want to note too, Justin, that it's the Chevron Championship this week, the first women's major. Interesting point here. So at the, at the Chevron Championship, the winner of the tournament typically jumps in a body of water after they win the tournament. Well, this week it's at a tournament where the water body of water that they jump into is fresh water. There's snakes, alligators. So the women are a little, this, 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 um, this tradition has been going on since 1994. They're a little weary. So apparently the golf course has set up some nets. They've got an area coned out for them to jump into, but I don't know. If you win that tournament, are you jumping into snake gator water? We shall see. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm not. I don't know. This, that would be something. But, uh, well, yeah, what did, we'll be interested to see. I ain't going in there. Are you? I'm jumping in. But <laughs> I'm jumping in. Uh, but uh, we'll see. I mean, if I got to wrestle a gator, I'm making sure I got a team. <laughs> I gotta have. I gotta make sure I got a team of people around me uh, protecting me. But also, it's the Zero Classic this week, a team event uh, in New Orleans. It's kind of a down week on the PGA Tour. It's not really a great one to follow. Obviously, uh, different uh, different style. Uh, there's some fun team. Uh, Seawool came and Tom Kim and Patrick Cantlay and Xander Schauffele together. So there are some names to watch. Uh, but Justin, it's been an absolute pleasure. 
the conclusion of episode 56, season three. Uh, guys, if you're if you're not following, make sure you follow all the new content coming on socials. Uh, hopefully, you guys are leaving five-star reviews on the podcast. And uh, Justin, my man, it's been a pleasure. 